This is Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on another edition of Comfort's Corner, where we bring you the inside story and what's happening in and around the transit industry. Today, we've got a great show for you. We've got some big headline news stories to give you. And then after that, we'll be going into an in-depth interview with uh, the North American Transit Alliance and UITP. It's a great interview with them, um, and I'll tell you more about it in just a moment. We'll be talking about a new study on contracting, and that'll take up most of today's show. Now on to headline news. Uh, My successor as MTA Baltimore's CEO, Kevin Quinn, was announced this week that the TransLink Board of Directors have appointed him, Kevin Quinn, to serve as the agency's next chief executive officer. Quinn will begin the role on July 19th and relocate to the Metro Vancouver, British Columbia area from the Baltimore, Maryland area. I've talked to Kevin multiple times this week and I'm very excited for him. And I know that he will be greatly missed at MTA. The TransLink folks are in for a great new CEO. And and, um, Tony Gugliotta, the chair of TransLink's board of directors, said, we look forward to welcoming Kevin Quinn to the TransLink enterprise, which will benefit from his bold, innovative, and customer-centered approach to leadership. Congratulations to Kevin and to Holly Arnold, who will step in. She's been the deputy CEO for a while at MTA. She's stepping up to be the interim CEO at the Maryland Transit Administration, headquartered in Baltimore. On to some interesting news. Due to sustained ridership declines in Ontario and Quebec, Greyhound Canada is discontinuing all operations on its remaining routes in Ontario and Quebec and permanently closed all services in Canada, effective May 13th. This announcement has no impact on Greyhound Lines operation in the U.S., which will continue to operate cross-border express service on the following routes when the border reopens. Toronto to New York, Toronto to Buffalo, Montreal to New York, Montreal to Boston, Vancouver to Seattle. Greyhound Lines, Inc. is a separate entity from Greyhound Canada, but a sad day when the uh, inner-city bus service Greyhound Canada ceases to continue to um, operate their services. On to another interesting story out of Honolulu, Hawaii. The Honolulu Authority for Rapid Transportation is beginning to take steps to institute better internal auditing measures through a report presented by a group within the Hart Board of Directors. The Permitted Interaction Group, or PIG, which consists of half the board, was tasked with reviewing suggestions from the American Public Transportation Association about Hart's internal auditing practices. The report that PIG published included 10 changes that should be implemented. One of the more substantial changes would implement an outsourced independent internal audit function for HART, uh, and they would report their findings to the committee, which is then charged with managing follow-up actions resulting from the audit. The recommendations from the PIG also suggested that the audit committee establish a fraud and corruption hotline with an independent provider. The hotline would be both for internal sources within HART and external complaints from outside the authority. And now on to what a big trend is happening right now, and that is microtransit. I've been telling you about it. As a matter of fact, if you did not listen to our last Comforts Corner from two weeks ago, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It uh, In it and the uh, final part of the program in the future of public transportation, I gave a heartfelt description of how I thought microtransit could help us add in equity and inclusion. And a lot of cities are moving toward microtransit. One of them is in Union City, California. They're reviving a microtransit program from the 1970s that uses vans to help people get to and from its industrial business district, the BART station, and parts of the Dakota neighborhood. 
this being the 2020s, though, the, the flea, as they call it, this time around, will take advantage of technology to provide on-demand van service. The pilot program is set to launch this week and operate for 22 months. A Bay Area quality air quality management district grant will cover most of the $818,000 costs, and the city transit funds will pick up the balance. City officials hope the flea will fill some of the gaps in regular bus service and be flexible enough for commuters to take advantage of. And now on to our newsmaker interview on this week's Comforts Corner. It's a great interview with the UITP, which is the International Public Transit Union, the Director of Strategy, Sylvan Hahn, and members of the North American Transit Alliance, including Board Chair Brad Thomas, President of First Transit, the NADA Treasurer, Matt Wood, who is COO of National Express Transit Corporation here in North America, and NADA board member Arno Legrand, who is CEO of RATP Dev, along with Strategic Communications Manager Julia Gessner. I interview them regarding the just released UITP study on contracting and transit, the value and benefits of private contracting in North America and internationally to meet passenger needs. It's a great in depth interview. I know you'll enjoy it on this edition of Comfort's Corner. Thanks for being with us and stay safe out there. This is Transit Unplugged and I'm your host, Paul Comfort, and we are on a newsmaker interview with Comfort's Corner. We like to travel around the world and talk to leading transit industry leaders about breaking news. And we've got breaking news for you today because UITP, the International Transit Union, has just completed a brand new study called Contracting and Transit, the value and benefits of private contracting in North America and internationally to meet passenger needs. And we have with us on the Newsmaker Hotline, Sylvan Aoun, who is Senior Director of Strategy at UITP, calling us today from where, Sylvan? Where are you at today in the world? Brussels, Belgium. Brussels, Belgium. We also have on the uh, on the Newsmaker Interview Hotline, Brad Thomas, who is President of First Transit and the Chairman of the North American Transit Alliance. Brad, welcome. Good morning. And we also have Clement Michel, who is the uh, was the CEO of Keolis North America and has just been promoted to an amazing new job at corporate headquarters. He's now in Boston, but headed to Paris. Clement, welcome, and tell us the name of your new title you're going to have. Oh, I don't remember, but uh, HR and transformation. Uh, so <laughs> safety, uh, sustainable development, and HR, yes. So Clement is, uh, is also one of the founders of the North American Transit Alliance, along with Brad and other CEOs. And uh, he is... Um, on the board and as vice chair, the uh, I guess the outgoing vice chair, but yes. the current vice chair of our organization. We also have my good friend Matthew Wood, who is uh, chief operating officer of National Express and the treasurer and a board member of North American Transit Alliance. Matt, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Paul. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And then we also have Julia Gessner. Julia is with First Transit, and she's also uh, basically the vice chair of the working group of North American Transit Alliance, and has really been involved and integral in this study that was just completed, that was commissioned by NADA, but conducted by an independent third party, uh, which is UITP. Thanks for being with us today, Julia. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let me set it up. Uh, uh, this group, actually, Brad, let me ask you first right off. Brad, why don't you tell us some about the North American Transit Alliance, uh, what your role is, and why you commissioned the study? Sure. Well, first, First things first, uh, the North American Transit Alliance is made up of the six largest uh, public transit contracting companies in North America. So that is First Transit, Keolis, MV Transportation, National Express, TransDev, and RATP Dev. 
And we formed uh, the North American Transit Alliance in 2020, really, to advocate for policies that promote um, public transportation. Um, we, we knew that together we could bring more value supporting the industry as a group than we could as individual organizations. And I think really um, the, the pandemic really uh, served as, uh, you know, served as a catalyst. It got this group together more quickly than we may have otherwise, but it really, it demonstrated the need for our organization because we were able to advocate on behalf of the private contracting industry um, to get the support that we needed to continue to operate during COVID. And that was, that was obviously um, extremely uh, important for these organizations and the, and all the folks uh, who, uh, who work with us. So the, the organization to me kind of reminds me of like an airline association, right? So you've got, you know, Southwest and United and American, but they form together to work, you know, on Capitol Hill for things that affect them and also to promote their industry. It would, would that be a good uh, analogy? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we believe sincerely in the value of private contracting. We believe this, we're passionate about it. And, and we believe the value that we, in the value that we can bring to the market. We've got the experience, the expertise, the bandwidth, the resources, the ability to get best practices from all over the globe and deliver them to local transit authorities. So we, we really do, um, you know, we, we believe in what we can bring to the market. But prior to this, we really didn't have a group that really represented us. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we felt that that was important. Um, and we felt that there were a lot of issues that we needed to have a voice in. Um, and NADA has given us the vehicle to be able to do that. And so why did NADA choose to commission, you know, this study with UITP? Well, again, I mean, we knew uh, the value uh, that private contracting brings to the market. We knew that. But we needed to, we really needed to challenge ourselves and to bring in what, what you know, we felt important that we bring in a third party to kind of confirm what we believe. Um, and we contacted UITP. We talked to them about the best way to do that, and what we kind of would be set, what we settled on was looking at private contracting around the globe, going all over the world to see the different models that that are used throughout the the, the rest of the uh, the world, and to talk to the customer, talk to the agencies, and and to get their perspective on private contracting or private contractors bring to their market, and ultimately. Um, the study, I mean, I think it's an amazing study, and I think it uh, it was, uh, tr you know, it's a tremendous, uh, the the uh, the findings in it are tremendous. The, the ideas in it are, are just, you know, really amazing. We got uh, we got folks from all over the world to talk about their experience, and uh, and ultimately now in North America we can look at those experience. There were people from North America too in the in in the study, so. People and people can look at this study and see what we're doing here in North America, what's happening in the rest of the world, and now we can kind of look at it and say, you know, where, what, what other things could we be doing? What other models could we be using? What other, what other ideas should we be bringing to uh, North America from the rest of the world? And and you know, what might work in my community better than uh, maybe you know how I'm operating today? Where you know how could we improve? It's always best to get you know, best practice when you can, when you can get best practice uh, and you can see what, what, what others are doing and what's been successful in other places and you can then, and the ability to bring that to your local community um, 
you know, that's the, the, the best of, uh, you know, the, that's the best of, uh, of the, of the industry. Um, and you can, you can bring it into your, you know, your local community. So, um, I think that's, you know, ultimately what this study proved out was there's amazing things happening in North America and there are amazing things happening in the rest of the world. Now people get to see all of those in one place and kind of look at them and see what's, you know, get some new ideas. That's wonderful. Excellent. Well, thank you, Brad. That's a great uh, kind of intro to it. Uh, now I want to turn to, to um, Sylvan from UITP. Sylvan, uh, thank you for being with us today. You've been kind of overseeing this study from the beginning. And why don't you tell us a little bit about UITP, just like Brad did about NADA, and explain to listeners who may not be familiar, I know that you're basically like the APTA for the rest of the world outside of, uh, outside of uh, the United States. So tell us about your organization. You guys are phenomenal and a huge organization and really the leading transportation, public transportation organization in the world. Um, thank you. Thank you for those nice words. That's a better introduction than I would do, actually. Uh, UITP, a couple of things which are important for, for UITP. We are a global organization, as you rightly say. So we have uh, members from uh, more than 100 countries. We have, I think the latest count is uh, above 1,700 members from across uh, the world. We are multi-stakeholders. So our members come from um, the industry, vehicle manufacturers, um, IT systems providers, etc. Um, they are public transport operators, uh, so running the services, and, and the authorities as well. Uh, whether it's a transit authority, uh, uh, a city authority, a uh, regional, federal, it depends, uh, it depends from uh, country to country. In a couple of cases, we have another country transport authority uh, as members. And we represent public transport, but in a, in a very broad sense, and more and more, as you know, the, the, the difference between mass, mass transit and other forms of shared and collective transport is blurred. So we, we, we believe we, we really, really represent um, the sector at large, including new mobility actors, um, uh, et cetera. And our mission is really to um, work with our members to advance public transport, in a sense, developing knowledge, helping them to learn from each other, working together to develop solutions, um, make the case for urban and public transport uh, towards decision makers of various uh, of kinds. So being the voice of the sector and repeating days after days that there won't be uh, sustainable cities in the future if there is not a good uh, transit system. Um, and we bring all those people also together in various ways and forms so that they can exchange and network with each other. Excellent. And we want to do a shout out to our good friend, the UITP Secretary General, Mohammed Mezgani, who Absolutely. is really the world's leading transit, you know, uh, official, I guess, representing all these folks. So he's been a good friend to me personally and to uh, been on this podcast before and just wanted to make sure we acknowledged him. So I also want to acknowledge Arnaud Legrand, who uh, has joined us now on the podcast. Arnaud is uh, the CEO of RATP Dev USA. Uh, Arnaud, thank you for joining us today. Yes, good morning. Sorry to be late, but uh, that's that's operations. Better late than never, right? And, uh, yeah. and he's also a founding member and a board member of the North American Transit Alliance. So great to have everybody on the show. So we, we were talking about Arnaud, and for our listeners, is this study that's been commissioned by NADA and had this third-party organization independent globally known for their work in public transportation to conduct this study that really provides a review of private contracting services in and outside of North America. The study includes case studies based on interviews with leaders at transit agencies 
And the varying contract models uh, are looked at. And it shows, the study shows that they were influenced by the context, the culture, and the history of each location. And the case studies point to the benefit of private contracting and best practices in partnership relations. And I think it's important, Sylvan, that you actually interviewed, like Brad has said before, you weren't like talking to the contractors themselves per se. You were talking to the transit agencies who contract out. You're saying to them, hey, tell us about contracting. Tell us about the model you use. Are there benefits? Are there downsides to this? Let's get a full picture. So tell us overall your, your you know, kind of the overall summary of the study and any key points that you found coming out of it. It's it's exactly this. It's uh, there are various ways, uh, various governance models for for um, uh, transit. I'm going to try to use the uh, American terminology. Uh, there are various governance models, and each of them has its merits and can deliver very good performance. But there is one thing we thought through our discussion with Netta, we uh, it was the right time to highlight is if you go through contracting, how do you make it successful? How do you keep, how do you create benefits out of the model? Because um, uh, there are various ways to do it, and you need to make things uh, properly to create the proper framework, to have the proper contracts, so that it delivers its uh, uh, the benefits and uh, you, you you maximize the, the benefits from uh, from contracting. And that's what uh, uh, and the study really um, looked at um, a little bit of the theory uh, of this, but a lot also uh, through interviews, discussions with authorities, as you're saying, who have contracted out their services in various ways, in various places of the world. That's important because that means you also have various um, legislative environments and that changes the way you can do things. How, what made them successful? Uh, what was important? What were the key elements uh, to make the most out of it? And I mean, uh, what comes out of this, uh, I think uh, uh, a few key points, is there is not one recipe, but there are a few things which you find always uh, again, again, and again. The first one is you need to create a partnership. Uh, uh, with uh, your contractors, uh, and that's very key. It's not the, the process and the way you manage a contract does not stop the way the day you sign it. It probably starts uh, to a certain extent. And it's uh, this is a complex relation. I need to have a partnership. I would say the second the second element for me, which is critical, is in one way or the other, your customer has to be the center of this partnership and of the discussion. So and that's important because it's not necessarily natural. When you have uh, an organization which is focused on the contractual uh, uh, agreement and the governance, to be reminded constantly that at the end of the day, it's about the customer, the way it moves around, or to attract or to deliver good services. And I think that's uh, that's very important for our sector. It's uh, it's a message we never repeat enough uh, for a sector such as um, such as uh, ours. And consequently, it's not all about the financial performance. And I think if, well, I think that's striking in the study. If you look at the KPIs and the contracts. If you look at the best offer from the contractors, it's a complex mix of various type of KPIs, uh, including often customer satisfaction, but not necessarily, it's not about being the cheapest. It's about being the the, the, the one which delivers the best service. That's good. So it's not, a lot of times people think that contracting is primarily just to save money. I mean, in, in when I used to work in the industry, when I did averages, basically what it came out to our studies was that uh, a contractor can a lot of times do the work maybe 20% cheaper than the trans agency itself can, was the numbers a few years ago. Uh, but it's not just about that, is it? You're saying the contractors also 
have seen improvement in customer satisfaction rates, in safety rates, and in on-time performance, and other key performance metrics. And where can people find this study? Before I start talking to the members of NADA, uh, do you have it up on your website? Absolutely. UITP.org. You will find it on their publications. And then the North American Transit Alliance will also also has it up on our website as well. So if people want to access the study, it's not real long. It's less than 40 pages long, and it's uh, it's uh, it's an easy read. There's an executive summary up front, and then all of the various uh, case studies, and then some findings at the end. So it's organized very well. Again, I want to thank you and congratulate UITP for putting out such a scholarly work uh, that really did a good analysis and kind of compare and contrast models across Europe, Australia, and the United States and Canada on contracting. And the the big story I think coming out of it is that contracting provides benefits, great benefits to transit agencies, number one, especially number two, if it's done in a partnership model uh, like is like is done across Europe. And Clement Michel, um, you've really created a partnership model there in Boston where your company has done some rail work there. And uh, what, do you, what, what did you what did you find from the study? Did you find uh, what were the key salient points for you? Uh, um, I I, uh, I really really appreciate it because it, it, it enabled us to ask ourselves a, a couple of uh, key questions. Uh, what's our, our worth as uh, private contractors to to public entities? Uh, uh, and um, and among them, you mentioned it. Uh, 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 some of the work that was uh, highlighted in the in the study uh, is uh, is the fact that uh, there is a what would be a bit more innovative for for the North American market and a bit more common in other places. Uh, a mechanism that uh, drives uh, 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 the contractor to work on increasing the ridership and the revenue. Uh, and um, and since we've made this uh, contractual amendment uh, uh, in uh, in uh, in Boston, we've seen pre-COVID uh, some some ridership growth around five percent uh, on the commuter rail. Uh, and um, and and that is really what we're here for uh, to 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 um, increase uh, uh, the attractiveness of the of the services. So so we um, we have more sustainable communities and and more inclusive communities. So so we we can really see how we're driving marketing, we're driving some of the research, we're driving redesign on networks. And on April fifth this year. Uh, we completely redesigned the commuter rail network, which is not commuter rail specific now, uh, uh, to to actually uh, yeah be more inclusive and, and and increasing the ridership and helping the communities uh, uh, come out of uh, of COVID nineteen. Uh, um, this this has been highlighted uh, uh, by Sylvain, the team at UITP, and there's a, a few other examples across the world that that are really really uh, make me extremely optimistic uh, about of the place of uh, public transit in general and the private contractors in particular into helping our communities to strive. Very good. Arnaud Legrand, uh, as a board member of NADA and uh, head of RATP Dev, a big international company that does work in places like Paris, et cetera. What did you find from the study that was uh, that that was poignant to you? I think, as rightly said before, um, by Sylvain and also by Clément, I think there is one very important aspect is the, the collaboration uh, between the authority and, and our companies. Uh, I think, as you said, our companies are generally used to operate in very different contexts, in different environments, under different regulations. So it's very good to bring all those experience and, and the study is it's a very good support for, for screening all of this. 
and 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 we can bring this kind of uh, uh, potential solution to our client, which are the, the agencies, and they benefit from from this different return of experience. And 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 together we are able to improve the service. And 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 I think that's that's really what is important and what is really about for the future is is really to be able to to move this transit system or transit service to another era. Uh, for the moment, I'm used to say that in the US transit is mainly, not only, but is mainly seen as a social service, which is very important, but we should be more attractive. We should continue to bring service to the people who really need or we are really dependent of the transit system. And now we need to attract also the people that can compete with this system with their own means of transport being taxis, Ubers, or, or, or the individual car, because we know that the future for the cities is really to get more people in a in one vehicle instead of having one people per vehicle. And, and, and I think our companies are able to bring solution, to bring innovation, and to bring performance, as we mentioned, that will together contribute to the satisfaction of the passengers, who ultimately is the final customer of the service. Excellent. And Matt Wood from uh, National Express and a board member of NADA, um, now that we've identified that this study that UITP did identified the benefits of public transit uh, being contracted out, there are great benefits to it from the agencies that they talk to around the world, and they've also identified an increase in key performance metrics, especially when they work in partnership. Going forward, kind of like I think everybody in the world, especially in North America and now rolling across the world, we're thinking post-pandemic. And so what is the role of contracting now based on the study and your knowledge of the industry coming out of COVID? Well, I, I think this report is very timely, Paul, as everyone has pointed out. Um, the ridership demographic and the traditional demand patterns post-pandemic will un undoubtedly change. We, we've talked about uh, the need to attract choice ridership in addition to those that are traditionally dependent on public transit. So the question now becomes one of, of equity and the ability for contractors to provide flexible and, and quick to market solutions to attract that choice ridership. And really what that means is a, a better connection to jobs, schools, other basic social activities, economic empowerment and equity. Um, I think we have a unique opportunity here to rethink how we meet the demands of both the underserved and choice riders. It, and not to mention, uh, this is a, a solution and an opportunity to reduce traffic congestion um, and, and, and pollution. Um, we're getting smarter, both as, as agencies and contractors are in, introducing more flexible and less costly transportation options. Um, for instance, the use of mass microtransit first and last mile solutions really creating a bridge between the traditionally underserved areas and more mainstream transit corridors. So I think uh, when we talk about contracting, it gives uh, transit, traditional transit agencies the flexibility to implement these services quickly uh, and, um, and, and a, a, a more modified or more specific solution that meets the, the needs of that individual community and transit authority. So um, it, it, the study is very timely um, and I think it points out some great opportunities for all of us as, as contractors and how we can benefit the transit agencies. That's great. Brad, back to you. Um, speaking of COVID and, and uh, we just have a few minutes left, but uh, I also want to get Julia in to talk about the three key findings after you. Um, mm -hmm. 
So, Brad, during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, and I know we're not completely out of it yet, but during the peak of the pandemic, tell us about what contractors were doing. Well, you know, great question. And I think it's not specific solely to contractors. I mean, it really, the whole transit industry, it's important for people to understand this industry never stopped. We never stopped operating in the in the darkest days of COVID. And as you say, we're not through COVID yet. Uh, but we're certainly, hopefully, on the on the on the other side of it. Um, you know, this it, even in the darkest days, we were operating. We operated. We operated from the beginning. You know, till till today, and um, we provided transportation to essential workers, uh, folks who needed to go to work, police and firemen, you know, doctors, nurses, all sorts of things. We provided transportation to grocery stores for people who had, you know, people who had to, so they could go out and do their shopping. We provided medical, you know, transportation to medical appointments, to therapeutic appointments, to things, things, medical care that people needed that was ongoing, that people that people needed to continue to get medical services. Those things are absolutely necessary, and it proved to me beyond, you know, if, if what I had already known, honestly, but it proved the essential nature of what it is that we do in the communities in which we operate and how essential the service is to that community and how much a part of the infrastructure we are that's an, you know so so that was that was to me one of the one of the uh, the great things uh, that come out of you know the darkest moments which is you know covid has been a horrible thing but it just showed how how amazing this industry is and how how much we do for the communities we serve the other thing and it shouldn't that I, that I want to make sure we that we mention is the fact that our employees, our partners, were on the front line throughout COVID. Drivers, technicians, dispatchers, supervisors, managers, all these folks in across the industry, uh, private, uh, uh, privately contracted services and publicly uh, contracted services, they were out there every day. They were on the front line. They've been on the front line. They never came off the front line, and they're still there. And that is a testament to how amazing the people are who in this industry who put who work for this and work in this industry and sacrifice day in and day out uh, to make sure that people can get to the essential destinations they need to get to. Very humbling uh, for me as leader of an organization. I sh I'm sure I speak for 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 the rest of the leaders, of, you know, for all the, the leaders of organizations throughout North America and the rest of the world. Um, very humbling when you see when you when you see just how hard these people these folks worked and the fact that they are they're still out there they're still doing it they are so passionate and they're so dedicated excellent all right we're going to do a quick lightning round as they say and maybe if each of you could give me a closing comment on the study maybe 30 seconds and then julia will close out with you to talk about the three final uh what the summary of the study and then what the plan is to roll the study out sylvan from uitp give us your final take on things i would say I would really encourage people to read the, the, the study to look at the diversity of situations uh, and each of them teaches lessons for other transit agencies uh, around the world. Actually, no matter what's the model, there is really through the diversity of approaches, you really have a lot to find in the study. Thank you. Uh, Arnaud Legrand? Yes, to, to echo to Sylvain, I would, I would really encourage people to read it. Uh, I think it's very instructive. Uh, it's, it's, whether or not you, you do already contract or I mean, it's it's a source of inspiration that will give you not, as I said at the beginning, not one recipe, but plenty of recipes. And then you can pick up and you can decide whether or not it applies to you or it's benefit for your organization. So it's a very good source of information. 
Brilliant. Thank you. Matt Wood. I, I think uh, it, it's a very great, it, it's an excellent study and I encourage everyone to take a read. Um, but uh, my takeaway is that uh, you're not constricted or refined uh, to one contracting model, that there are different models uh, that meet the individual demands of different agencies. And, and finally, uh, the flexibility within inherently within the contracting uh, model. I think that's very important. Wonderful. Clement. Not much more to say. Uh, what is there to, to say apart from the fact that uh, uh, we are willing uh, uh, as, a, as a group and as individual companies to, to uh, uh, really partner and uh, and we recognize uh, uh, that uh, public interest uh, uh, is uh, is uh, is uh, critical, and uh, and and it's owned by uh, elected officials and and uh, and technicians, um, agencies, uh, um, and we're here to serve. Wonderful, Brad, the chair of Data. Yeah, I, I think listen. Everybody said some uh, great things about the study, and it is a tremendous study. I think it uh, it really proves out what uh, we all believe, which is there's there's a value in contracting. Um, but I do think that the other thing that, uh, that, that, that to me the overarching uh, theme that comes out of this is um, the best solutions to any challenge, just any problems, are the, getting the best from all parties. And the fact of the matter is that when you can bring the best from the public sector and the best from the private sector. And you can bring and you can put them together and you can get a really good, productive um, partnership. That's when you get the best ideas. That's when you get the best solutions. And I think that's what this study showed, proved out was the fact that when you get the best from all parties involved, you get the best solution. And that's what's ultimately best for the rider. And that's the most important thing. Very good. And now, Julia Gessner, can you tell us uh, what Nata's three big takeaways are from the study and then tell us how the plant's going to be rolled out and how people in our audience might actually get a chance to meet some of the folks on this call and what's going to happen going forward. Yeah, so to start, the main three points that we pulled away from the study from the contracting perspective is that, you know, contracting, as we've all said, it exists all around the world in many different forms. It's all influenced um, by the history and the culture and the context of the area. Um, all of the study participants discussed numerous benefits. That was part of the goal of this study was to understand um, what works in private contracting. And a lot of them saw improvements in KPIs, um, collaboration on um, in innovative services. And as we've every single person I think on this call has said, this was built on private contracting being a partnership. Um, collaboration was the key. Right now, this is a really exciting time in transit. Um, we're all looking at what we can do. Every industry is coming out of COVID, but now with transit, you have mobility as a service, you have electric vehicles, you have autonomous vehicles. There's a lot going on in the technology space and to have contractors who truly see themselves as the partners be a part of that. Now is a great time for um, for considering adding a partner if you don't have one or looking at how you can work more with your current partner. Um, so to continue our rollout of this study, as I said, this is a really timely study because of COVID, but this is also a very, very great study to look at long-term. It's a very relevant study now, and I think it'll be very, very relevant for many years to come. We are looking now at reaching out to different trade organizations, looking at how we can speak more about this study. We do have a few interviews that we know are coming up in different um, trade publications. Um, 
And we're also looking at how we can make sure all of our team members are really well educated on what what the study found and how we can continue to advocate for private contracting, which we all know is can be a great for cities and towns and just getting people moving. So if there's an organization sponsor or representative, let's say from the North Dakota Transit Association or from uh, the UF Conference of Mayors or something like that, that would like to have a presentation to them about this study, how would they contact you to uh, to see if they could make that happen? Maybe we could have some of the board members and somebody from UITP actually come for a half hour, 45 minute presentation and share with them the study. How would they reach you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, they can reach me at my NADA email address, um, which is julia.gessner at natransitalliance.org. Um, I'll make sure I have that um, direct link to you, Paul. Um, and yeah, more, we would be more than happy to present this study to anybody who would be um, who's interested in learning more. That's right. So it's julia.gessner at natransitalliance.org. That's your email address. And so I encourage our listeners. I've I've read the study. It's phenomenal. Uh, the UITP team did a great job. Um, Sylvan, do you want to name the, just real briefly the folks who worked on this? We want to acknowledge them. Uh, you had one staff person that was a real key, and then Didier. If you can take your mute off and tell us who they were, I think we'd like to acknowledge them as we go off the air. No, absolutely, and thank you for this opportunity. Uh, for I think we we need to uh, to to acknowledge the tremendous work done by uh, our colleague Gregory Jihun. Uh, is uh, He's a native from uh, from Quebec, Canada, and uh, he's actually left us to go back to Canada in the meantime. Uh, but Greg did a great job, and, and he believed in it. Uh, and uh, thanks to him, we have this. And he worked out with um, DJ Van der Velde and his team, who uh, who's DJ uh, is a recognized academic expert and consultant on uh, contract contractor contracting. Sorry, in uh, in public transport. That's right, and we hope to do a webinar soon with uh, UITP so that anyone can join and get more in-depth information. Keep your eye out for that. Thanks for being with us today on Comfort's Corner, this newsmaker interview with the board members, many of the board members from the North American Transit Alliance, um, and also Sylvan from UITP and Julia. Uh, We thank you for being with us. And if you need more information about the study, go to the two websites that we mentioned, UITP or the North American Transit Alliance website. Thank you so much. And thank you guests for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. And now our messaging minute with Aaliyah Carey talking about messaging for recruiting in your agency. Hi, I'm Aaliyah Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. I frequently search the news for positive stories about public transit to share with my networks. And lately, I've been seeing a lot of stories about agencies hiring new employees. That got me thinking about how your media relations strategy can help you fill empty roles. Now, of course, when you're hiring, you'll be using all the regular channels like your social media, LinkedIn, and the local and national job sites to promote your open positions. Depending on how solid your media relations are, you might also be able to place a news story with your local media about job openings. You improve your chances of getting coverage if you can peg your hiring news to some other broader development. An easy one would be if you're expanding service. But you might also peg your story to broader economic news, a local story like a new employer coming to town, or graduation season. Even if you don't have an immediate hiring story to push out, 
Make sure that jobs information is evident in other press releases you put out. Today's newsreader will be tomorrow's job seeker. If you'd like to talk about media relations strategy or anything else related to communications and public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. Thank you for listening to this week's Comforts Corner with members of the NADA board and UITP talking about their recent study about private contracting in the transit industry. Next week, Paul is talking to Mr. Jeremy Yap, the Chief Executive for Public Transport Policy and Planning for the Land Transport Authority in Singapore. This is sure to be a very interesting session from another one of our international guests. We hope you tune in, and until then, ride safe and ride happy.